This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it. Oh, he's the worst. Pussy up the right sideline! He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the college editor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, alongside Carter Yates. What's up, bud? We're ready to talk some ball. We're in mid. We're getting into mid-November now. Yes, yes. This is. Uh, I was gonna say something I probably couldn't have said on there, so I'm gonna say it's gut punch time. Yes. I was gonna say. I was gonna say it was a. Uh, yeah, whatever. Nut up Don't. or shut up time. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. it's not. A, it wasn't bad. I was like trying to think of a phrase. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, Everyone knows that that's November time. Everybody knows that's November time. Uh, <laughs> Mallory Hartley. That was the other voice you heard. Hi, Mallory. Hi. <laughs> don't make me do more editing than I have to do, okay? Uh, I don't have fine. time. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, you don't have, you're not doing anything right now, are you? <laughs> For those no. of you that don't know, uh, Mallory Pickle and uh, VNA, they are also um, in charge of a ton of scheduling right now, seeing as the playoffs in football are starting, uh, the playoffs in volleyball are ongoing, and then I believe water polo just wrapped up. Uh, since Sunday, we've scheduled over 300. Yeah. So for those, again, for those of you that are just tuned into the college side, yeah, we have a whole high school wing and, uh, our three lovely ladies at Texan Live are in charge of scheduling every single postseason game you see broadcasted Mm -hmm. anywhere in the state of Texas. So that's what their schedule is consisted of right now. Correct. Uh, so yeah. Um, a little bit of housekeeping news off the top. We're going to start off the show with a little bit of a reveal, half reveal. It's already been revealed, but uh, for our audiences, uh, our Texas football rising cover. Mal, if you want to throw that up really quick. Mm-hmm. So every Let's year, every fall, or every winter, I should say, we put together. Oh, Ooh, she's so look pretty. Oh, look at that. Oh, right there. This, I, was telling, I was telling Powers yeah. this. We were, we were sitting back there, and we were kind of looking through all of the different covers, and I was like, Powers, this is by far the most bad ass cover I've I ever agree. seen. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love it. So for those of you that don't know, uh, unfamiliar with our, our print schedule. Uh, of course, during the early part of winter, uh, the basketball magazine comes out, which I manage manage and produce. Um, but then, in just before the playoffs, or kind of just around the playoffs, in the middle of the playoffs, we put out the Rising cover, the Rising magazine, which is a recruiting guide to basically everybody who's in high school right now who's a pro, who we consider a prospect has some type of evaluation inside. Um, past couple years, we've made a shift on like, who exactly goes on the cover. And so we kind of market our top player overall, you know, based on Greg Powers' evaluation. And he, by the way, a lot of the the, the capsules you'll read are mostly, if not all, him, mm-hmm. like his writing, his evaluation. So every little blurb you see in that piece as far as scouting goes was done by him. Um, we obviously have scout uh, stories on other prospects. I believe Carter Yates, you have one on Booby Feaster at DeSoto, yep. who's a freshman right now. Um, and so guys like that and Micah Hudson, of course, being the number one player, number one offensive player, obviously five star going to committed to Texas Tech. Uh, we decided to put him on the cover uh, a couple years ago. We did the Photoshop thing where we'll do like the, the jersey. I think Keontae Ingram was going into Texas jersey He's morphing into a Texas yeah, jersey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Haynes King going into the, the A&M jersey. And we decided like, I mean, that was cool for a time. But like, I think 
one, it's hard. It, these are high school kids, so like they can change their mind tomorrow. Um, so yeah. like that's one thing. But it's also like I think it's more. It's I think we decided it's better just creatively, just to let the kids' personality kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. You know, like Denver Harris. I think I think it was Denver Harris, and he was the first one without a without a Photoshop. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago, and then last year was David Hicks. Yeah. Um, and I think it shows a lot more of their personality and their kind of swagger a little bit more uh david hicks was just huge and so that was kind of the story is like how massive and impressive he is and Mm so this one's micah hudson he's kind of a uh, kind of a low-key showy person right Mm -hmm. like he he's a very he's a very he's he has a swagger and he has an edge to him but not in a standout-ish way like Mm -hmm. in a lot more low-key way than you'd probably expect he's got a quiet confidence about him i mean the swagger on the field like this cover obviously shows what he's kind of like on the field but i think he's one of the most interesting recruits that I've seen in my very short time covering recruiting. So I'm excited to read Mike Craven's feature piece on him. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah, Uh, photoshopped by Aaron Mellion as well, who's uh, one of my good buds in the industry. Uh, Tech State grad, he does a lot for Tech State, UTSA, and UIW as well. Uh, I think he shot our he shot our gatefold cover as well last year for the basketball magazine. So, uh, yeah, was very definitely happy to get him on this project mm-hmm. as well. So, be on the lookout. This is not in stores, by the way. Textfootball.com/slash subscribe. Uh, this is for subscribers only. <laughs> so, be sure to subscribe. You get this issue in, in addition to the football magazine in the summer, the basketball magazine. Right, you get all of those in the same package. So, be sure to subscribe and get that. Uh, if you're just interested in recruiting and want to hear more about some of the up and comers in the state, you'll sound really smart. If you all of a sudden are rattling facts about <laughs> booby feaster to your friends. <laughs> so uh so yeah a little bit of housekeeping off the top um let's get to some uh, headline news nothing really major yet non-specific we'll have some quarterback injury news obviously uh status is about guys like preston stone and jt daniels and we'll kind of get into those for those related games but yesterday uh, we kind of had a little bit of news, hashtag news. I don't know how – Texas stayed the same in the playoff. Uh, playoff rankings came out. Texas stayed the same, ranked at number seven. But I would say that does create some news in the way that all of a sudden it starts to become a little bit more of a conversation of how do they get in if yep. things kind of stay the same. I think this conversation, though, of how do they get in is taking away from the fact that they got to get through TCU and going to Ames in Iowa State at 7 p.m. I saw Danny Davis from Austin American Statesman tweeted about it like, y'all are way more worried about Oregon than you are about TCU. And I totally agree with them, right? We will, obviously, because we're talking heads here. We need to talk about the path to the playoff. But right now, Texas still has a lot of business to take care of. Sure. Now, can you read out the top seven? So it is right now, the the four in the playoff right now are Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. That's the – four that are in mm-hmm. in quote-unquote in right now Washington and Oregon are five and six ahead of Texas so in my opinion this 90% of this solves itself right yes. Ohio State will play Michigan right and so therefore that winner barring I'm assuming they beat Iowa they probably will um they will go to the final probably be in number one Georgia will probably be in barring you know they have to play Alabama which is where the controversy comes in we can get to that in a little bit Georgia will likely play Alabama in the SC title game. If Georgia wins, okay, then they're in, right? If Bama wins, then we maybe get something interesting. Uh, Florida State win the AAC. AAC, AAC sucks this year. They're probably in. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, then all of a sudden you talk about Washington and Oregon, the winner of that probably. Do they get in? That's an interesting conversation to have. Maybe, right? Because you would assume that that would free up another spot. So then that leaves Texas. 
if they do play Oklahoma in a rematch, that gives Texas potentially a win over Alabama and then a win over Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, the then Kansas State as well, if they're still ranked at the time, it's a it's not a foregone conclusion, because here's the situation that would then arise. I think the Big Ten champion gets in. Yes. I think the ACC, if it's Florida State, they get in. Mm-hmm. And I think the Pac-12 champion gets in, right? Agreed. Um, then it sets up, unless the SEC champion is Georgia, I think Georgia gets in. If it's Bama, then I think you have a discussion. Because Texas has a head-to-head over Bama. Mm-hmm. Their only loss is to Oklahoma, which they could possibly make up for. If Oklahoma makes the title game, of course, that could be Oklahoma State as well. So then you have a possible discussion on your hands of, do you take that Texas head-to-head win over Alabama with Alabama having the best win over Georgia. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it's like, that's a legitimate discussion that I don't have an answer for, right? I think, I think what the, in my opinion, I think the committee's hoping that Georgia wins. I think just so, so too. This is like, it's easier uh, Texas for them. Texas is five, it is what it is, yeah. right? Or Georgia's number one, uh, Ohio State slash Michigan is there. And so it's like, it, I think that they're hoping that because that's a night, that's almost like a nightmare scenario, but that is like a... You, <laughs> For the first time ever, you would have an SEC champion not getting in if mm-hmm. Bama beats yep. Georgia, right? It doesn't feel like there's a clear-cut top four. that we're, like, A lot of it will work itself out, but it yeah. does feel like we're on a collision course to where there is six worthy teams sure. to get in. Sure, And a couple of fan bases are going to be extremely mad. Yeah. I think Florida State is shaky right now, personally. I think they are, too. I think they might work themselves out to where they're going to lose one of these games, whether it's the ACC championship or a regular season game they drop. So they got Miami coming up, which is not an easy game. No. Miami's not an easy game. So, like, that could be – So maybe that's maybe. one they drop. Yes, I Ohio State, Michigan, that one's going to be very interesting. If they yeah. both go in undefeated, but also – doesn't Michigan play Penn, Penn State? Penn State is. I was going to say, I mean, that could – Maybe, but Penn State hasn't. I think I – think for better, for justified or not, I think people have kind of like ridden Penn State off after that bad performance against Ohio State, where it was just like they just looked so lackluster, mm-hmm. right? It was like Ohio State yeah. wasn't even that good, and Penn State seemed like they had no chance. And so I think people are translating that to Michigan, which again that goes to I think we had this discussion earlier in the year. I think me and Mallory may have talked about this, where it's like the Big Ten's so down this year, outside of those three, mm-hmm. that like you can't take any evaluation until those teams play each other. I was gonna say Michigan hasn't played. Anybody. Right. And so it's like this is their kind first of, real test. We're just kind of assuming real test without Connor Stallions, too. So <laughs> Correct. Like, happens, what happens Man. we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. This might all just work itself out <laughs> like that. This week. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, so I understand why I get Danny's point and I agree with this point overall. But I do get why Texas fans are a little antsy because they're like, ah, we're starting to run out of thing, you know, pats here. It has been like the entire year you're just like win out and you're in. And right. the deeper and deeper we get, it's kind of like, uh, win out and it's going to be close. Still. Yeah, I, I, I know. Iron- ironically, the te- Texas beating Bama is like, while we Texas beating Bama but then losing to Oklahoma was like the worst combination of things that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Like if they're undefeated, yeah, they're in, no problem, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that they beat Bama and people thought, okay, Bama's down. Well, no, actually it turns out Bama just needed to kind of retune their offense a little bit. Okay, now if Bama wins, SC champion, like that's kind of, we've kind of all taken this whole thing like, oh, the SC champion just gets in, mm-hmm. right? And now it's like, well, do they? Like, I think they do just based off of everything, but it's like, can you justify that? Mm-hmm. Well, and right? also because it's like Texas beat Alabama so earlier in the season before Nick Saban benched Jalen Milrow playing 5D chess <laughs> right. to show that his backups weren't better than Jalen Milrow. Right. So it, tur- it turns out, team. He, yeah, he's like, it turns out we're actually playing the best guy the whole time. So I don't know. It's it's a lot of, and 
and it's weird again this is the reason why the playoff committee as opposed to like a computer system is hard to because like literally they have a guy on there you know whoever the Boo rep Corgan, is yeah Corgan. every every week they have a guy on there and say this is our logic and it's like it's so hard for a human to go up there and stay consistent with their arguments mm-hmm. as opposed to like saying here if you pump in a formula with like the bcs or whatever you pump in a formula that says here's the four teams that spit out is like this is the logic it took into account, blah, 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 as opposed to like a guy saying up there was like, well, actually, if you take into account that Texas didn't, you know, Alabama's gotten to be a better team after the, and it's like, oh, you're just like making yourself, you're putting yourself into a pretzel, basically. Yeah, so, right, yeah. right. I want to highlight something that Joe Cook uh, from Inside Texas tweeted out. Yeah. So Boo Corrigan, when he goes on the CFB selection show, yep. they ask him uh, about six through eight conversation, why is Oregon ranked ahead of Texas and Alabama? And this is boo. Again, looking at the win over Utah, understanding that Texas has a win over Alabama, Alabama comes back with wins over Mississippi, Tennessee, LSU, but it's a compilation of everything that I was talking about and answering Joe. It's not one single metric, but we spent a lot of time on it, and we want to make sure we get it right. What kind of riddle he just, is that? He just, <laughs> said, he, he just said words. Like, he, he, let, just, yeah. he just said words. That's just a word salad. Uh, because, like, yeah, like just, just basically say, like, Okay, you like Oregon's win over Utah, and it's a recent win, so therefore you kind of judge that better. Like that, I don't, th- I don't, I wouldn't buy that argument, but that's more sound than like, oh, Oregon has a more impressive recent win than either of those teams well, sitting on the same record. That's so annoying about this stuff too. It's like just say it and yeah. own it. Don't go up there and speak in like t- tongues. Yes, basically. yes, no, literally. That's that's literally it. If he just went up there and said, eh, Oregon played Utah uh, and beat them pretty bad, and we thought Utah was pretty good, so like. We ranked that win. It was a month. It was like within a month. So like, yeah. we see that recent. So I don't know. It, it, if you you just wish that they would, um, yeah. So here's the thing: to calm Texas fans down, one, yes, worry about TCU. <laughs> First of all, uh, worry about finishing out the schedule. Two, I do think there's one unexpected loss coming in this top mm-hmm. ten. Probably, I agree. I do like. We're just like assuming that Georgia and Bama are going to play each other, right? We're just assuming that Florida State's going to walk Went through out. the ACC. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of, I mean, I, I, I guess the only bet I can probably make is like Ohio State, Michigan, probably just like they're going to play each other. Yeah. Um, Washington, Oregon, right? We've seen Washington look weird the look, past couple weeks. Hey, if USC could have made one tackle on yes. Saturday night, yes. Washington loses that game. I think Oregon is all working itself out. Oregon's, yeah. or, I'm pretty sure Oregon still has a civil war with Oregon State coming up. So, yeah, like, that could work itself easy. out. So, like, to calm Texas fans' nerves a little bit, yes, I do. And then I think Washington has Utah coming up. I think they have Utah and Oregon State coming up. So, like, there is one more loss, I think, coming that's not expected. So, there is a there will be a way, in my opinion, for you guys to get in, potentially. So, I understand the anxiety, but give it time. It's the second week of Control ranking. what you can control. Control what you can control. Mm-hmm. Went out. Beat TCU. Listen to Danny Davis, right? Respect Danny Davis. Uh, listen to the beat TCU and then worry about the rest because this is what happens when you have a committee of people deciding what to do. <laughs> and then get through that absolutely terrifying night game in Ames, Iowa. Listen, in a Iowa. In a couple weeks. Iowa at night, baby. Iowa at night. Or Iowa State at night, excuse me. Um, all right. So before we get into our games of the week, let's quickly. Oops. Mallory, flash up the PowerPoint. Yeah, I was about to, you just wanted a little quick shot of yourself there. <laughs> didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it's been a long week. It's, it's 300 games, darn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. 300. 300. Uh, anyway, Mallory, let's get to the PowerPoint really, really quickly uh, before we get to our games of the week. Uh, not, I mean, I mean, I'll just read them off. Texas, SMU, UTSA, Texas State, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, Rice, Houston, Baylor, North Texas, UTEP, and Sam Houston, who got their first win of the year. Yay! Yeah. All right. So, unfortunately, they're 
stuck at the bottom because that's the only one win. But still, they got the win. Um, all right, looking at knowing what we have this week, or this weekend, I should say, what's the team that you're worried about maybe falling or team that you're interested in maybe rising a little bit in the Power Bowl? Ooh, I we're going to get to it in a little bit, but this SMU-North Texas game could mm. get pretty interesting, especially if Preston Stone is out. North Texas has shown over the last – Three weeks, they played all the top teams in that conference mm-hmm. and have lost by one score each amount of those times. No moral victories for North Texas, but they are an explosive offense. The defense has been holding in the second half. And uh, also, Rhett Lashley said today at the press conference I was there that North Texas has the best special teams in the conference. And that's, Interesting. That's not even something I took into consideration. That isn't something either. Interesting. Uh-huh. I believe – uh, is that is that a that might be Juice Sabota? I think that's the special teams coordinator. Yeah. Yep. So uh, by the way, uh, so this isn't me reporting anything. Just watch out for him as a future head coaching candidate um, because he came from Alabama, former head coach of Klein Collins, uh, which is of course a really good program down there in Houston. Mm-hmm. He coached with Nick Saban, I believe, as an analyst or an assistant a non-position coach assistant through the last national title with Mac Jones. And then he was one of the first hires Eric Morris made. So if the special teams unit, and he's also the associate head coach. So if the special teams unit is also one of their most impressive, everybody's fascination with high school coaches and head coaches with ties to the state. Like I'm going to say, keep an eye on Drew Sabota potentially for some names, um, uh, for, for a head name to pop up in my opinion. So that's a good one though. I mean, Hell, he might as well just get into the games because that 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 kind of mimics my point too. Like SMU and North Texas, well, we'll that see potential. Intriguing. That also, one really is, yeah. Maybe yeah. some rise potential. Number six, Texas Tech. They play Kansas on the road. I know they've been uh-huh. historically not very good on the road under Joy McGuire, but mm-hmm. that is a game too that could be a sneaky upset potential. Then they rise. The other teams, the problem is just like. You know, I don't think UTSA rises with a win over JT Daniels less Rice. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, Texas State like. Is Coast, how good is Coastal Carolina? Coastal's Grace good, but yeah, but without Grayson McCall, yeah. that's that's the problem for them. So Texas A and M, the win over Mississippi, if they get a win over Mississippi State, I mean they're eighteen point favorites. It's not going to do too much. So right. there's just not a lot of vertical movement I can see. Mm-mm. Right. All right, Mallory, let's just get into the games of the week then, since everything does tie back to that. So, all right, first top matchup of the week. Week 11, Texas Tech playing at Kansas this Saturday, November 11th at 11 a.m. You can watch it on FS1. Kansas coming in as five-point favorites. The over-under, 61.5. Ooh, that's a fun over-under. That is fun. Jeez, yeah. Um, Here's the thing. like, So, of course, Kansas is coming off a win against Oklahoma, and then they beat Iowa State last week. So they're firmly still in the pretty good team. No, they are a very good team. So, like – I think I mentioned last week how like four games all or three I think three games had like Big Twelve contender implications on it, mm-hmm. and that was that was kind of Iowa Iowa State Kansas was one of the sneaky ones that we didn't think about because we kind of wrote them off, but they both had one loss in conference I believe heading into that one. So Kansas came out victorious, and all of a sudden yeah Kansas looks like a team I think they're or sorry they have four uh, two losses so Texas and Oklahoma State are sitting at five and one. Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Iowa State are all four and two. So here's my thing. I think this is a winnable game for Texas Tech, but it depends mostly on, and this is kind of the negative, Jason Bean is playing some of the best ball that he has yes. in college. He's looked so good. He looked really he's looked really good, which I think last if he was coming off the Oklahoma game, maybe because he was not he he led he led them to the win 
but he was also he also had two picks in that game. He wasn't the best, right? I think he think the game before that he also had two picks. Last week was like a flawless game from him. Mm-hmm. I think he let me see. I had his stat line up. He finished fourteen to twenty three, two eighty seven, one touchdown. Um, and didn't even run the ball that much. He had like three carries in that game for like surgical. Yeah, and so it was like okay against Oklahoma. He had like forty six percent completion, no touchdowns, two picks. Like he had to run a lot more. And then the week before that, he had two picks against Oklahoma State. So I think Tech is getting him at the wrong time because I think he's like I think he had his dip. He's ascending. Right? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like Mallory knows, like he's he was a ta- he's always been a talented quarterback when he was in North Texas. Correct. But he had that he had a little bit of like the you know like. Is he doing too much a little bit? Or yeah. like is maybe the game coming a little too quick for him at times when he kinda gets in when he kinda gets out of his like he's a dynamic athlete and all that stuff, but sometimes the game will get a little away from him. Exactly. Um now it seems like he's had that already and he's coming back up. Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I had the games where I was a little iffy, but now it's like boom. Cause like doing that against Iowa State's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I would like this game a lot more for tech, like I mentioned, if they were at home. Yeah. They, who's bringing the possum to campus? Gotta, <laughs> or the fox. Listen, Joey might have it just in his bag. <laughs> he's just, he's just like, this was know. actually all a plan. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're getting on the plane, his suitcase is vibrating. <laughs> it's like hissing. Hey, no, one, no one look at my bag. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing. This one, I mean, I liked what I saw from Baron Morton last week. I thought that was one of Zach Kidley's best called games. I think it was, too. I want to jump about Baron Morton, too, because there was some talk, you know, amongst us where it's like, does Baron Morton have the strong enough arm? It felt like sometimes he was throwing it down the field. It was short, underthrown. We got to keep in mind, he hadn't thrown in practice since that West Virginia week game. Good point. So he had been very injured as they, of course, going through Jake Strong. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Baron Morton, you know, another week, get a little more rest, maybe get some reps more in, in practice. I think he does have plenty of a strong arm to yeah. get it done. I think he's just a little injured still coming sure. out of that game. Also, another weakness is Kansas's rush defense is one of the best in the country. Yeah. Um, they're 13th in EPA per rush defensively. Or, excuse me. Um, actually, they're not. Look, I'm, I'm actually looking at the wrong numbers. So – they're they're fine defensively. They're not mm-hmm. stall stall ugh, ugh, a stalwart in any way. So I wonder how much if this is like a. I keep like we we feel like we need the Taj Brooks game, but like uh, I feel like if Tech finds some real big success here, maybe exploiting that a little. You bit. know what's so funny though is they flashed that graphic on the TCU game, and Taj Brooks is like fourth in the nation in. Russia. I know, and, and it, it feels never like, feels like, like that. that. It never I know. feels like he has enough carries. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting hoodwinked. I know. <laughs> I feel like that's not true. It's it like flashed up van- on Fox. I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I watched every game. I was about to say, which yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it goes to show you if it's like. They are indeed giving him the ball, or if they need to be giving him the ball more because he's up there and we feel like he's not getting the ball. I don't know. Because why like, I'm not a coach, by the way. Maybe. So. No, probably so. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, by the way, uh, because this is partially an Ollie Gordon podcast, too, uh, he's already leading the country with like 20 less carries than everybody else. <laughs> and then That's in that crazy. same graphic, he has like 174, and then everybody else is like 962, 210, 193. <laughs> and so it's just like he's already Bro. leading the country. In it's awesome. Sorry. Who do they play this week? Uh, Oklahoma State, they got that's a good question. They actually have uh, this is basically a big UCF, so they're about to roll. Oh, they finished yeah. UCF, Houston, BYU. Oh, so he my may hit gosh. that 2,000 yard mark. He might. You know what's so funny about Ollie Gordon, too, is yeah. he had three carries for South Alabama. Oh, when yeah, they lost. Yeah, 
And then they were like, and it was like, what if, he had no care. Yeah, I was no. like, what if we just give him the ball all the time? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Chris Comer from Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it was like, wait, we had this kid on the bench the whole yeah. time? Uh, all right, what's next, Maller? Oh, wait, by the way, uh, um, I guess I'll pick, Can- I mean, I'll pick Kansas to cover just because it's kind of bad timing for Tech. Yeah. Wait, what's, the, what's the spread again? I never remember what the spread is. That's not surprising. Five. Uh, <laughs> Kansas by five. I'll go Kansas. Yeah. I'll go Kansas. Just because, like you said, you, you brought up a good point. It's not at home. A touchdown, you know? a touchdown sounds yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Next game of the week, our final game of the week, Texas playing at TCU this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on ABC. Texas coming in as 10-point favorites. The over-under is 53.5. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. Don't overlook them. I know. Don't one. Yes, Texas. Don't overlook TCU. But also, like, doesn't it also feel like Texas is like aside from the Malik Murphy thing? It just feels like Texas as a whole is rounding into shape a little bit, and it feels like bad timing for TCU. <laughs> I mean, there's times for like two quarters where Texas looks like the best team in the nation. Right. The problem is when something bad happens, it snowballs. Sure. Yeah. So like Houston, they give up 21 unanswered points versus Kansas State. They turn a blocked punt into three other turnovers, mm-hmm. and Kansas State erases a 27 7 deficit in like two and a half minutes. They've shown more mental fortitude mm-hmm. by coming back from that, getting punched in the mouth five times in a row, basically, to still win the game. But it's right. like, can you stop taking five punches in a row? Right. Can you make five punches one punch instead right. and get back on track faster? Right, right. I think my worry for this one is we're starting to see. My worry for TCU is we're starting to see, one, I think teams are figuring out the run game. Mm-hmm. For Monte, Monte Bailey didn't run the ball well, which is tech at all. Um, and then I think that they're also seeing that they can just kind of – it's because the pass – I mean, it's because the pass protection is not very good, but Josh Hoover is a little mistake not. prone. And yeah. he's, I don't, he's just not – I just don't think he's ready yet. And mm-hmm. so I feel like versus this, you know, particularly those two defensive tackles in Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, I think that they are going to feast on that offensive line. I think so too. The, the Texas interior, of the defensive line is NFL caliber. I was about to say, is that like is I mean probably the best in the country right now. Like those probably. two guys in particular, and Sark's getting pretty salty. They haven't had a holding call on them all year. <laughs> I mean that yes, that is starting to get a little side eye worthy. Where it's like, how are you blocking these guys every single time? <laughs> <Yeah. Arrest>. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to. Uh, say I said on the Sunday recap episode about Sonny Dykes, this is more the norm what TCU is right now. And I want to walk that back yeah. because I was listening. And I was like, wow, that did not sound good. Uh, TCU more of like an eight, nine win. I was going to say, what I uh, yes. not this five and seven team. This has kind of been, I think this is a little bit of an aberration year. Yes. Where yes. A lot of things have gone wrong. Craven was going on Twitter today, uh, talking about Sonny Dykes's resume because a lot of, Twitter trolls were in his comments like Sonny, Big Fraud, Dykes, and right? Whatever. Yeah. He won a conference so championship with Louisiana Tech. He had two eight-win seasons in California where they beat Texas. You he know, did. he had the first ten-win season at SMU since 1985. So let me left hand up walk <laughs> that take back that I had. No, I, I get your take. Like it's because one, the jump from five to eight or nine is not as big of a jump as from, like, 9 to 12, 11, 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, that's where I, that's where I kind of – I don't hate you clarifying for people that didn't understand that. But, like, that's what I saw because it's like, yeah, it's not – it's it's if you're an eight consistent 8-9 eight, win team, you're going to have a year where you just win five. 
mm-hmm. just because like something doesn't work out or it's one of those like this year with timing where it's like you lost all your seniors so therefore and yes did some things not work out yeah Chandler Morris probably isn't the guy to go forward with right the offensive line isn't as good right is that partially his fault absolutely right that's not that's a miss on his part uh, a lot of the transfers they brought in haven't been as big of an impact as we kind of expected but I do agree that like you're probably last year I think was I don't want to say an unfair standard because like yes if you make a national title sure yeah you obviously want to go back but like that kind of it was it's almost like a, a little bit of a of a someone thing where it's like mm-hmm. someone comes in Johnny Manziel boom all of a sudden Texas A&M's best era in a lifetime right and all of a sudden they're like cool we're competing for the SEC right away we have a Heisman Trophy winner right away we're the best offense in the country right away and then like Kenny Hill comes in and is like, who's this? And it's like, Kenny Hill's a good quarterback. He's like, but he's not Johnny Manziel. And it's like, all of a sudden, you're winning nine games. You're like, wait, we were winning 11 years, you know, things like that. So I agree that Sonny Dykes, I think, is a good coach. And I think maybe took some swings this offseason to try and repeat last year or get back to last year that maybe he shouldn't have. Took some bets, right? Investing in Chandler Morris is the guy. Maybe not the best. He's not the guy, though. I mean, he's been hurt this year. Yeah. But even when he hasn't been hurt, like, have you I just felt can't like, quit him. I know. I, know. I, can't quit I get it. Morris. He's not a bad quarterback, but like, is he somebody that like he was the nailed-on starter when Max Duggan was leaving? Right? Is that is no. that to me? That's that's the thing, right? Sonny Dykes said he was the guy that I picked, and before Max Duggan got hurt, and when Max Duggan graduated, they didn't bring in anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right? That's my that's thing. True. That's my, even Baylor again. Sawyer Robinson is not very good, but like even they were like, let's give Blake Shapen somebody. Right. That's true. And so that's my thing. It was like, was he that good to bring in nobody else like a Texas was with Quinn Ewers? You know, obviously Arch is a freshman, but like the Texas didn't bring in Haynes King. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's what I'm saying is like he took some swings that maybe weren't the best. And so that's on him. But I think maybe last year he was trying to get back to that. Uh, the, the tops of last year. Uh, long story short. Yeah, I think Texas kind of. Kind I of think rolls. they cover. Yeah. yeah, I think they do as well. Yeah, pretty easy. All right, let's switch into the wide zone here, starting with my alma mater, North Ooh. Texas, playing at SMU this Friday. Yes. That sucks, first of all. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about Friday. At 8 p.m., which also sucks. That also does suck. On ESPN2. On ESPN2. <laughs> SMU coming in as 17-point favorites, the over-under, 67 and a half. What's the, what's the ESPN game? Is it like NBA or something? Probably so. I would assume if it's Friday. Anyway, uh, quick plug. Carter, you have a story that just published before we started recording. Yes. On uh, this game, which is called the Safeway Bowl, apparently, which a lot of people did not know, including myself. Mallory, did y'all call it the Safeway Bowl in college? Okay. I just learned that, like, literally just now when you said that. Because I walked up to Pickle (laughs) and asked that because I was going to make my lead about it being the Safeway Bowl and how no one uses that because I've never heard it before. Me neither. So uh, it talks about it a little bit in the story, uh, but a little bit of a tease. Where did that come from? Because it is an interesting story. It came from in 1994, UNT head coach Matt Simon when they had a pause. Basically, UNT-SMU has been played intermittently for yeah. 100 years. Mm-hmm. Like They've right. had these spurts where they've played 8 out of 11 years, 20 out of 21 years, and this was in another pause, and he was saying, we'll play – I, I want to play them because I think we can beat SMU. My players feel the same way. We'll play them in a Safeway parking lot. Yeah. Well, flash forward 30 years, there are no Safeways in Texas, yeah. <laughs> but this is called the Safeway Bowl because of that quote. And I okay. thought it was kind of perfect too because yes. North Texas views them as a regional rivalry and SMU is just like they're another team that we could fill close in our schedule. Yes. And so like, that's kind but of it, a perfect game for the rivalry. I was about to yeah. say, it is perfect because like UNT is like, yes, anytime, anywhere. And then SMU is like, 
at our convenience. <laughs> and so like, but like I, I, when I was doing the UTSA UNT story, you know, I was talking to JD Davis from Go Mean Green and even he was like, yeah, no, UTSA is our rival. I don't really see SMU as our rival. And it's like, yeah, it's it's I think it's so competitive. It's been, so, that's been competitive, but, and like, but you would, I think like UNT would definitely love for it to be a rivalry because they're right there, right? Like cross town, cross Metroplex rivalry kind of a thing. But it's like one, like you mentioned, they didn't play a lot. SMU, at least uh, post uh, uh Death penalty and all that stuff. SMU kind of like it's kind of been just one sided a little bit. And it's so been like, one sided forever. Right. It's 35 6 and 1 Yeesh. is the all time record. Dang. I go through the 1922 to 1942 stats. They're yeah. pretty gross, Ooh. honestly, mm-hmm. in SMU's favor. So, all that's to say, we might be even for a competitive one this week because Preston Stone's status right now is unlikely. Uh, okay. I don't say unlikely, it's not known right now. Uh, I think Lashley said he was still in concussion protocol. He's in the protocol. Kevin Henry Jennings talked to the mm-hmm. media today at SMU. So, so I would it's say that's be a, a game time decision. I was about to say, and I would if if he's talking to the media and concussion protocol is very complicated. So I would kind of pencil, pencil that in. in. Yeah, yeah, pencil that in. Not in pen, but pencil that in, which all of a sudden makes this very interesting because. Mm-hmm. We know SMU's defense is very good. I believe that was the graphic from Fox Sports that mentioned they're only one of four teams in the country that are top 10 in defense and offense right now, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. Yes. Um, but as we know with this dang North Texas offense, like whether it takes a, a, a quarter or two to get going, it gets going. <laughs> I've been saying this. I've been saying this every single week for the past four weeks. But if North Texas comes out and they lay an egg in the first quarter and they get down by 21 yeah, Even this, 14, like yeah, this can't happen. That that can't happen because they can't come back. <laughs> no, that's no. not going to happen this week. They've been lucky the past couple weeks, but this SMU defense is too good. They're not going to let them back in the game. And I also I could be wrong on this. I don't think there's just this massive drop off from Preston Stone to Kevin Henry. James. No, I don't either. So, I really think I think he's pretty good. I think I think he's, I think good, he's good, good. For those of you that don't remember, that don't remember, he was uh, the quarterback of the first of the the state uh, South Oak Cliff State title uh-huh. teams a couple years ago. A very good pickup from them. It was kind yeah. of a low-key SMU. He was like, I think he was committed to like Missouri State for the longest time, and then the playoff run happened, and then they offered him, mm-hmm. um, and he ended up committing. So I'm very impressed. I'm very interested in seeing how he looks in his first start, first mm-hmm. of all. I do think he's very good. Uh, also something, I think Jordan Curley's also out for the year for, for, SMU, year for, for SMU. For SMU. So tear. Again, oof, that's awful. Um, so again, not saying this team isn't going to be good, but these are these are interesting little wrinkles that they're being given, right? New quarterback, a wide receiver room who is like well rounded, but not necessarily game breaking. Mm-hmm. Okay, you lose one of those options. Okay, your whole thing was how top to bottom you were at that position. I don't know. I'm curious. Um, and Here, then, yeah, go ahead. here's why this game is so intriguing because North Texas, for the first time in their history, has now been in the same conference at SMU. Yeah, and mm-hmm. SMU. Banged down the doors of the Pac-12 as the house was burning down. Yeah. And then Let us in. And got then. into the ACC. And they didn't do this because North Texas was in the same conference as them. This game kind of going away was a bit of a byproduct of just like, oh, we didn't even really think about that right. happening. But where it gets so interesting is this kind of game is a bit of a microcosm for the games that SMU would like to avoid. And I think they are getting past in the ACC mm-hmm. because right. they are competing for not only a conference championship, they're the betting favorite for a New Year's Six Bowl yeah. out of the American Athletic Conference. And also, this, you didn't mention this in your piece, but I remember this. It, it It's an interesting comparison for TCU-SMU. Yes. Where it's like, t- we know that the iron skill is going away after next year. And uh, you TCU thought they were better than SMU. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you don't want to give, 
And again, I'm not saying SMU thought of UNT like this, but you don't want to give the perceived younger brother any opportunity to beat you in recruiting, to beat you on your home turf. Right. And so, like, that's what TCU – TCU saw the gap shortening with SMU, and they're like, ooh, cannot <laughs> do that anymore, right? Yes. And so – and now that they're going to the ACC, I mean, they may start it up again, who knows, now that they're both Power 5 and they can both use the capital to have a good non-conference game. But – until that happened, they were like, yeah, now we can't give an AAC team like the chance mm-hmm. to beat us at our own turf, on the field, with players that we're going to be recruiting with, things like that. So it is very similar in that way because the year that they uh, UNT did beat SMU, it felt like a turn. We were like, all of a sudden, you're like, Mason, you're like, UNT's beating SMU now? And they beat right. them bad. Uh-huh. I think it was Dykes' first year, mm-hmm. something like that. And you were like, they beat Mason them bad. Fight, and you're yeah. like, oh, my God, what's happening mm-hmm. here? It, it is just – it would be so poetic for – because SMU is trying to go to the ACC with positive momentum. We're yeah. in a New Year's Six Bowl. We won the conference. We right. go into the ACC. What could very well happen is North Texas swipes the chair out from under them at 8 p.m. on Friday night, mm-hmm. ESPN2, with maybe 15 people in the stands because it's the first round of Texas high school playoffs. <laughs> yes, yep. that's the and other thing going that, on. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and all that positive momentum that they're building comes to a nervous pause where yeah. it's like, uh, wait. <laughs> like, are, are we sure we want to go? <laughs> I I did, exactly. I did like the uh, I think I did like the Eric Morris quote you threw in there. He was like, "Yeah, the SME president forgot to tell me yes, <laughs> that they're going exactly. the ACC." <laughs> he was, was like, "Yeah, he, he, I didn't I didn't get a phone call on that." <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, that's so that hilarious. But yeah. So um, with that being said, I think I'm gonna pencil. What, what's the spread in this one again? It's 17. I'm gonna go. I'm taking Ooh. SMU, but I'm taking North Texas to cover. Yes, I think North I Texas might take cover. that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, North I think Texas it's gonna cover. be. If it was closer to closer. ten, I'd maybe go SMU to cover. But I'm gonna take North Texas to cover this. I think this will be fun. Yeah, I think so too. I'm excited. All right, moving on here. Baylor playing at Kansas State this Saturday oh. at 2 p.m. You can watch it on Big 12 Network or ESPN Plus. Kansas State coming in as. 20 and a half point favorites. <laughs> the over under is 55 and a half. First of all, uh, Kansas State will cover. Uh, second yeah. of all, <laughs> yeah. we've talked about bad timing for teams. They're mad. <laughs> Kansas State <laughs> is very mad right now. This is and a get right game for Kansas this is a, State. <laughs> this is a very much a get right game and for Kansas Baylor State. Baylor just happens to be on the other end of that. Baylor was watching that Kansas State Texas game like, no, <laughs> not now. Don't and it's lose. In this Manhattan, game. too. In Manhattan. This oh. is just a recipe for a disaster. Matt Jones and Devin Bobby are about to have bad times versus yeah. that rushing attack yeah. for Kansas State. Baylor oh. has moved on to basketball season. Listen. With that yes. game with Auburn last night. Much like Matt awesome Harley has with Michigan State, Shut right? Shut up. Oh, my God. Why would you even bring that up? What happened? Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wait. Oh. All right. Anyway, yeah. But Baylor has moved on. We- They're one game into the season, and she's already depressed with basketball season. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't have anything nice in the sports world. Or apparently James Madison is just going to win every sport now. <laughs> yeah, they're literally. Just, they're just they be might. Good at every James Madison is the best athletic program in the nation now. <laughs> I mean, they're unbeaten right now in, in two major sports, so they might be. Uh, the vibes around Baylor's program are very bad. No, to your point, yes. They're every, every one of my Baylor uh, followers and people that I follow were just like, man, we're watching Jacoby Walter now. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what happened? Blake Shapin still plays. Like, no, he's not. <laughs> it's like, he's the C, baby. He's going to be a lottery pick, you know? Like, it's very much attention turned elsewhere to the Farrell Center, yeah. soon to be the Foster Pavilion. Um, I believe Parker, uh, Stats of War on Twitter, has the, uh, Baylor has a 5% win probability <laughs> chance in this one, which, again, you only get from, like, FCS versus FBS. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, it's bad news. It's bad times in Waco. Um, sorry, this is just bad timing. Like, well, it's also like former players now are tweeting about like yes. former player uh, Jordan Feuerbacher tweeted. Uh, he's so indifferent to Baylor football for the first time ever. Oh, and that's, that's, a, that's a football alumni you got. Also, I do want to have a bit of a discussion about, because right. there's been a lot of tweets from Drake Toll, friend of the program, yes. about Baylor's substitutions sure. and like Baylor backup players airing a lot of dirty laundry right now. So they basically had a former player, Christopher Henley. He yes, said, Aranda that. only gives reps to ones and twos. I agree that sounds like backups complaining a bit. Sure, That was my first thought of it. But now there's another one that came out from Drake Toll, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically another source that says the team period is where the ones run Baylor's offense and the backups run the opponent's defense. See, that's and different, vice versa. and that is not great for me. I don't because <laughs> one, it's everybody is sitting on the sideline like half the team is, but it's also like your direct backups are now doing a completely different game plan all throughout to, the week. I was about to say, that's that's why you have a scout team for. That's why for you me. have the third string guys to do the right. scout team for. Why right. are you having your direct backup run a completely different scheme the like, entire week? Like, to for for example, last week, uh, G.J. Kinney, like they didn't get they didn't get Malik Hornsby to do Davis Brin things, right? It was like G.J. Kinney was Davis Brin for Texas State last week. Like, exactly. It's like you have scout teams where you just make things. You don't take guys running one game plan and tell them to run this different playbook and act like different players, right? What was the infamous story of uh, USC versus Texas? It was like they didn't yeah. get – it was like Reggie Bush was acting like – oh, no, no, uh, was it Vernon Davis or something? Somebody from USC's – it was not Vernon Davis. Uh, their tight end was running as Vince Young, right? Because mm-hmm. it was like you're not going to have the backup tight end. It was like a third number tight end where it was like, yeah, you're just going to be Vince Young right now. It's like you just need somebody to – to mimic, right? You don't need like you don't need somebody going into like a different exactly. playbook and all that stuff. So yes, that that was one that's very much uh, concerning for this program. Yeah, that one set off a lot of red flags for me. It, it's not good right now. Baylor's the only team in the FBS with six home losses this season. So maybe traveling is good for them. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say maybe they just got to get away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need a vacation to Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. That, Listen, sure. Everybody needs a trip to the Little Apple, right? Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, Kansas covers and all that stuff. So. Yeah, can, for sure. All right, moving on here to Sam Houston playing at Louisiana Tech this Saturday at back. 2 p.m. Louisiana Tech is back. Because <laughs> we are at Sunny Cumbie and Louisiana yes. Tech podcast. Go watch it on ESPN+. Plus. La Tech coming in as 7.5-point favorites. The over-under is 47.5. I'm low-key super interested in this game. I am, too. I don't know I how, how that, did they take – like, yeah. as Carter, you've mentioned before, you know what it's like, oh, but you also yes, know I what do. it's like once you get that one. Yeah. You're like, it's an avalanche. Right. It's it like, is, 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 is this turning into the snowball, <laughs> snowball effect? I, I don't think. Know. Exactly. Yeah, I think so, too. And, like, Louisiana Tech is not – Louisiana Tech is, of course, better than Kennesaw State, who was playing backups and is still an FCS team. But right. Louisiana Tech is not some crazy opponent. We see no. a lot of Louisiana Tech this year, early in the yeah. season. Too much Louisiana Tech. Too way much too much Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. Tech. Yeah. No, I'm I'm interested in this game. I really, I just I feel like that that loss may have you know punched them over the edge a little bit. And like you said, Louisiana Tech is just they're not three and that seven. great. They're- Right, seven, I think this they, is one that they can sneak up on. Yeah, I think they're they were. I think they were North Texas' first win, I believe, earlier in the year. Um, it was no, one of their first wins. No, they might have beat. Was ACU around that time? I can't remember. But they lost to North Texas earlier in the year. Uh, they they barely beat FIU, which we know is not very good. Um, then of course they got squashed. I was at the SMU game where they got squashed, of course. But it's like, yeah, they're a competent team, but they're not like 
somebody that I'm like, they got to watch out for. Well, we'll talk about them in a second, but I can see Sam Houston wins this game. We might see them kind of hop in UTEP in our power pool, maybe, possibly. I mean, I guess UTEP won the head-to-head, but like, if they finish out with good momentum and maybe. UTEP kind of falters a bit. Maybe, maybe. Maybe Sam yeah. Houston State beats the 13th place allegations. Yeah, and I'll say, Keegan Shoemaker has been better. Yeah. Last couple, flat out. When he's gotten in conference, he has just been a better quarterback uh, since – playing let's see since the air force game which was the last like 13 to 3 off putrid offense good defense game uh let me see he's only th- he's thrown five picks to two four six eight ten 12 13 14 touchdowns and this is also with zero running game right exactly with zero running game, he is the run game as well right he's like <laughs> i think he leads yeah. them he, he might legitimately lead them in rushing um but like he's been good last week 30 of 38 242 through the air 78 completion uh, three touchdowns, right? You can say uh, whoever he's playing, who cares? He's played well since conference. So, again, he has no help, like Carter just mentioned, um, and he's turned a corner a little bit. So, like, I, I'm, I don't think they win, but I wouldn't be opposed to them covering. Like, I really think this could be another one of those close, frustrating losses for them, unfortunately. But I wouldn't be shocked if they won either. I think they win. I was just about to say that. You know what? I'm going all in. I think they win. I think they win. They got the monkey off their back. Now they can play free. There you go. They can play free. (laughs) It's the Steve Young. Get this monkey off my back after the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. All right. Up next, Texas State playing at Coastal Carolina this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Texas State coming in as one-point favorites. The yeah, the news about Grayson McCall being out definitely shifted those lines a little bit. Yeah. Um, How, been, what were what did it look like before? What was the spread before? I didn't see before. I only saw the post where they flipped okay. as a favorite. Um, of course, Grayson McCall, it's funny. If you go to his uh, bio on Coastal Carolina, I think Kev Chardello at the Statesman did this. It, you have to scroll through his like, accolades. I was going to say, he's been there <laughs> it's, forever. He's been there for so long. Like, I'm just going to show Carter this. He's actually the most decorated quarterback. Yeah. Like, that's literally history. that's literally all of his right there. It, yeah. it, it reads like, like a Wikipedia novel. Is he, so is he credits. senior, though, like for real? Yes, yes, he is. Because okay. well, remember, he tried to transfer. Right, right. He tried to transfer, and I think he almost ended up at Auburn. But there was some issues with the paperwork because that's why Auburn doesn't really have a quarterback right now. It's because they thought they got. Now they wanted McCall. to take our quarterback, or that too, Peyton Thorn. Well, that's why they settled on Peyton Thorn because they couldn't get Grayson McCall. Um, that's but so <laughs> even with Grayson McCall, I think this is why the line shifted is because Coastal. It's been a lot of Grayson McCall this season. Yeah, they haven't been. It's new head coach Tim Beck. Um, which Carter knows a lot about Tim Beck. Yeah. Uh, shout out Texas. Not New Mexico State. <laughs> not New Mexico. <laughs> yes, not New Mexico Tim State Beck, offensive coordinator Tim Beck. Former Texas offensive coordinator Steve, uh, Tim Beck. Um, they haven't been that great. Like they've been fine, but I think that's why people are this line shifted is because went out without him. I don't think they know what this team looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's like Coastal Carolina has been kind of a wagon for the past few years, and yes. now they're just kind of masked by Grayson McCall heroics. So, so yes. Instead of all being good around him. Really. So, his everything is down. Completion percentage is down for him. His passing is up because Tim Beck's a passing uh, offensive mind. Uh, Jamie Chowdle was the one that had that kind of dual threat system going and he had, I believe, God, he only has 48 yards rushing this year. He was coming off... What? Right? He's, he was coming off 560, 300, and then 200 rushing yards as uh, his past couple years. And then... 250 attempts, 240, 297, already at 224. 
for this year. This is so. also probably because they can't have him get hurt. Like what's happening? Maybe right now probably so. We're gonna um, see what they look like without him. We definitely there. are. Mm-hmm. So th- again, this isn't your your dad's coastal who just ran through the Sun Belt. Um, this is very much a new ish type of team. I believe they also have they had a close win versus Old Dominion. I think uh, that was the one that. McCall was out, so I think Vasco finished that one. And then they also have close wins versus App, who doesn't look that great this year, and then Arkansas State, which is one of the worst teams in the conference. But that's also just classic football coach. Like, look how awesome this dual threat quarterback is. I don't want him to run anymore. Right, all right. Run my offense. <laughs> He's going to play <laughs> <Yeah>. my system. <laughs> one little, one interesting nugget in this one, uh, Coastal Carolina defensive coordinator Craig Nivar, who was also at Texas before. Yeah. Wow, uh, Texas East. Yeah, uh, so he was the defensive coordinator at Texas State the last time Texas State was bowl eligible back in 2014. He oh, was the wow. court, he was the defensive coordinator of that team uh, under Dennis Franchione. So a little bit of a connection there, which is kind of interesting. So, um, so yeah, a lot of Texas State fans wanted him to be in the, the running for the job when it came the past two times it came open, but. Um, he, I think he wanted to get back. I think he's close with Tim Beck, so he jumped on that staff pretty quickly. So. Also, another thing I saw from Kef, shout out Joey Hobart for setting yes. the record for F, for reception yards at Texas State as an FBS program at 804. Yeah. But Him also, and Joseph Manjack from Houston are on the all-no-gloves team. Yes, oh, 100%. All-no-swag team. Which also, <laughs> Joey Hobart might also break the all-time season for Tech State because that record stood since like 1960-something because they haven't had good receivers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I cannot remember. Um, I think it might be Johnny. Is it 850. Johnny? It might be something like that. I think it's like something. Uh, is it Johnny Parker? It might be Johnny Parker who has the reception leader. Um, while, Johnny Fast Legs Parker. No, no, I'm not joking. It's, pro- it's something like. 67? Uh, that was 71. 1971. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to be depressed when I find this number. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out right now, but let's see. You said 800? No, I, that was a guess. I no, no, I'm ta- Carter. You said oh, 800. I said 850. 850. Yeah, I bet it's under a thousand. It's it's oh, it's 100% under. I don't think I ever covered a thousand yard receiver when I was at Texas State. <laughs> 742. They didn't have a thousand yard receivers back in <laughs> the Richard Nixon era. Listen, they probably did. Okay, so here we go. Receiving. 742. Let's see receptions, receiving yards. That's career. Oh, okay. No, they did. They did have. Okay, so. He has the career, which is still not that much, 2,400. Uh, so the, the all-time single season is 12, 1,200. Okay. So that's okay. not bad. So it's, over. it's a lot better than I thought. Oh Cameron Luke has it. Uh, that was a little bit before my time, 07, 08. So, but he's still, the fact that he's still up there from 1969, 927 was Johnny Parker's highest receiving yeah. So, uh, shout out Johnny Parker. He actually, uh, he actually still is alive and he's really cool. Legends um, never die. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, die. so Joey Hobart does have an outside shot at that 1262, 1268, by the way. Um, the more depressing one that I found out yesterday as we just divert to a Texas State podcast, um, <laughs> was the rushing yards total. I thought so since turning FBS. Claude Mathis, for those of you that don't know, is the leading rusher all time. Legitimately, fifteen hundred yards, multiple. Really? Very good. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I didn't know that. At I oh, you didn't either. know that? No, oh. I didn't know he went to Texas State. Uh, yeah, he did. Or played so, at Texas. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's the all-time leading rusher. Um, a lot of my friends. So since the FBS, though, a lot of my friends are like, "Man, Ishmati may break the all-time or the the FBS rushing record." And we had in our mind that Robert Lowe, who was the guy that that was the running back of those teams in the twenty in twenty fourteen, we were like, "Oh, he he might. He, I think he had like twelve hundred yards. He had like ten ninety one. <laughs> it, he barely yeah. cracked a thousand yards, but everybody, everybody looking back is like, I thought he was like a thirteen hundred yard rusher yeah. at the time, yeah. and he was the dude and all that. And it's like, now nah, Mahdi's gonna get that pretty easily, <laughs> like pretty soon. So again, it's been it's been dark out here for Texas State for a while. It's been dark. But, but we <laughs> We've up seen now. The light. But we up now. We're covering <laughs> yeah. and we're winning this one outright. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I don't know who to choose in that game. 
I really like. I have no idea. It also could be like a little bit of a letdown spot. I mean, your also, whole team yeah. jumped in a river. I was about to say, whole team like jumped in a river. That this is a perfect spot for a letdown. Now everybody's sick because they jumped in the river. So first of all, oh, no, don't no. disrespect no San Marcos pneumonia. River like that. Excuse you. Okay. Excuse Anyways, you. Anyways, so I'm more disappointed that you didn't jump in the river. I wasn't there. <laughs> I'll do it next time I go to San Marcos. No, the time before than when you were there. I'm surprised you didn't do it then. I I, I used to go to the river. I did go to the river. Okay. And I didn't float the river that much. I went to the. You don't jump in the river after your third win of the season or whatever he was there for. No, he was there for homecoming. Oh, they lost that one. I didn't oh, jump did in the I? river then. Oh, maybe so. You still still serve them. Right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Houston hosting Cincinnati this Saturday at 6 p.m. Oh. You can watch it on FS1. Houston coming in as two point favorites. All right, be honest. Who's watching 55, this game? And I was just about to say that. I was like, <laughs> who's watching nobody. this game? I'm sorry. Nobody I'm gonna. going to, but. I'm not going to be super for podcast happy about purposes. It. No, I'm, I'm checking. Is Houston to. basketball playing? Houston basketball playing at 1:30 on Saturday. I ain't watching oh, this game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching Houston basketball. I know, I know. <laughs> but this me? is a must win for Houston. It, it feels they like go there's still there is still bowl eligibility on the line. So yes, but I'm also very much acknowledging that like they better beat Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah Cincinnati is like, bad. Cincinnati's on a seven game losing streak. They're 0 six in conference play. Are they the worst team in the Big Twelve? Probably. UCF yeah, too, probably. Beat them, so probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, did, they, did BYU beat them? Or have they played BYU? I don't think BYU. I don't think they. That BYU did beat them by a touchdown. Okay, they're yeah, definitely the worst. Definitely Here's some Scott worst. Satterfield quotes uh, after oh, their God. last loss. We're a very undisciplined football team, and it pisses me off. We have three more games and an off season to figure it out. It's embarrassing. We're doing those types of things. Whoever wants to show up in the locker room tomorrow. We're going to continue to work on that. He just hit like five cliches of a team that is falling apart. By the way, yeah. one clip. Should yeah, also be reminded that uh, <clears throat> this team won nine games a year ago and 13 games under Luke Fickle. So like he didn't exactly inherit a, uh, a tire fire. No. <laughs> right? Oh, like yeah. that hire was always pretty weird. Yeah, no one liked that hire. No one liked uh-huh. that hire because he wasn't very good at Louisville. Uh, I think he was – I mean, he was good at App State, but, again, he wasn't very good at Louisville. And – they had a chance. They had, you know, Wisconsin had the buyout, give the buyout to Luke Fickle, so they had money to spend. And again, this is a team that's coming off 11, 9, 13, and 9 wins. And now they're one of the worst, probably the worst team in the Big 12. And they have a head coach who's saying that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man, that this wasn't broken. Like, I don't know what the only thing that changed was you <laughs> like, and, and the conference a little bit, a little bit, but like, would you expect Emory if, Jones, a quarterback, if Luke fickle was there, would they be this bad? No, I don't think so. I was about to say, I, I don't think so. So like, Oh no. Like I can look at UCF and I can look at BYU and I could see that UCF. That's, I think they maybe made the jump a little bit too early. Okay. Um, and you think BYU didn't? I think BYU. I think BYU is what they are. I don't think Which I ever saw scoreboarded. I think their teams the last two weeks. I mean, they're they're they're. Here's the thing with me and BYU. BYU was never a team that was like they need. I never saw them as like they need a conference. Like they need to jump up. Mm-hmm. I saw them as like a solid program, seven to nine ish wins. They're going to be physical because they have adults on the offensive line who have like 12 kids, right? No. Um, they're all like 27. Um, <laughs> but like I never saw them as a team that's like, oh, yeah, they should be competing with Texas or whatever. Yeah. I thought the independent scene was perfect for them because mm-hmm. it was like I like them. I like them playing Utah. I think they're kind of a, a poor man's Utah a little bit in terms of like style. Um, so I don't know. I I see Utah. I see BYU as like its own category as like 
Sure, they could have moved up, but whatever. Their age demographic means they should be independent. Like they should <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. them in an actual college. They're paying, they're paying mortgages. Yeah. Um, but for me, Cincinnati is that team that like they should not be like that's a team that's of of the four, including Houston, that's a team where I'm like, they should not be this bad. Mm-hmm. Just like what I know about Cincinnati the past couple years is like they've like all going back to Brian Kelly, like they've been good. Brian Kelly, Butch Jones. Luke Fickle, like they've been good for 10 plus years. If you're Brett Yormark and you're looking at your four new teams you got, you're probably like, got all your kids like, it's okay, it's okay, but Cincinnati, like, come on. Right, exactly. Really? You. <laughs> What's wrong with you mm-hmm. specifically, you know? So I don't know. I, I'm going to pencil, I, I don't, that's why I don't see UCF that much as this, because like just a couple years ago, the UCF was like playing in empty stadiums. Like, mm-hmm. I think Scott, uh, Scott Frost helped turn that around a little bit. But, like, they were – they're not consistent they – they're not going on 10 years of, like, being this national or uh, G5 power like the Cincinnati Blake Bortles is. era, though. I mean, Blake – it was part of it that helped it, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I For me, Cincinnati's just, like, it's kind of depressing to watch them. That's why I don't – like, whoever they play, I'm just like, oh, I'm just putting them for, to yeah. the side for a week. I'm like, beat them, and then, you know, I don't have to talk about you. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be one of our last Cincinnati games, right? Let's check the rest of their schedule. Ooh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's one of our last. Probably West Virginia, so. Kansas. Yep, this is it. Oh, thank God. Okay, Sayonara. Yeah, please, uh, Houston. Please take care of business. I don't want to have to watch this game. Correct. <laughs> I just want to watch uh, uh, LJ Cryer hit threes for for basketball. So yes, correct. All right, moving on here. Second to last game of the week: Texas A&M hosting Mississippi State this Saturday at six thirty p.m. You can watch it on ESPN two. Texas A&M coming in as eighteen and a half point favorites. The over under is forty three and a half. Speaking of games that I should not have to watch, as <laughs> well, say. let's do like a check in sure. on the vibes of the A&M program. I sent y'all a tweet earlier this morning of someone from A&M in that fan Twitter based circle. Oh, string, yeah. Posted the <clears throat> X Man Wolverine meme, looking nostalgically at a picture of Kellen Mond. First with of all, Bowl trophy. First of all, don't disrespect Kellen Mond on the podcast. I'm not disrespecting <laughs> Kellen Mond. I'm just saying, like, this is. This is the Texas Bowl trophy. This is what we're nostalgically looking back on right now. We're, we're First of all, we are a pro Kellen Mond podcast right here. I get it. Second Kellen Mond of- was great. He was great. <laughs> but come on, yes. guys. No, I 100% get that. I understand. Yes. It, that's how, yes, that's how bad things have gotten. They want a quarterback who can take them to the Texas yeah, Bowl. Because yeah. right now they're trying to find a quarterback that can take them to a bowl <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Um, they'll get there, right? They have ACU coming up. They have – I forgot who the other hell they're going to beat. It might be this week. They, they, It'll probably gonna, be this week. It would be so funny if it happened ACU week. That would be, very be funny. probably the best. It would be very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, vibes aren't great. Um, this is the one that's like – I thought about like – how much do we have to pay attention to this game? Because it's like, obviously, if it if they don't win, then yeah, obviously something has to happen. If they right? don't win. No, right, exactly. Ooh. But then I'm like, but then it's like, you're almost waiting for something bad to happen. Because if something good happens, aka they win and take care of business, like, okay, that's not a story. You know, then you're yeah. just like, yeah, I don't need to, that's fine. They, they did what they needed. Mississippi State stinks. Like, I saw, which made my heart jump, uh, I saw my first Mississippi State fan graphic of gj kinney in mississippi state gear oh, <laughs> and so like they're like no and, they're, and so all of a sudden a they're jump like scare. they're like all righty it was like i think the tweet was like i've seen enough i'm ready and i was like no, no. <laughs> what's going on <laughs> um Veto. you're gonna be you're gonna be fighting this oh, yeah you oh. are oh it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be i'm fighting for my life over here but look they stink right mississippi state stinks and i think they're in an awkward position because like they promoted the guy who took over after mike leach passed away mm-hmm. and it's like you can't 
fire that guy right now. Can you? I mean, not not like not like in J- January, December, yeah, maybe. Okay. But like I'm talking about right now, like Zach Garnett, you can't fire him right now. But the A&M's probably running into the one of the only teams in the SEC with like worse vibes than them right now. Yeah, because like they're. They don't run the same offense anymore. Zach Arnett's former defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Their defense isn't good either. And so it's just like there's nothing really to look forward to. They just got boat raced by Kentucky last week. And then they lost to Auburn, who stinks this year. Um, so, yeah, it's, again, one of the only teams with worse vibes than you. Luckily, uh, you get them this week, A&M. So take care of business, this and is, I think they should. This is totally off topic cause I'm looking at Mississippi State's schedule now. But yeah. they – Beat Arkansas seven to three. Oh, that, oh I remember that game. Yeah, the corner got fired the next day. Yeah, Danny Ness. Yeah, was that Danny Ness? Yeah, got fired. Yeah, that what an unwatchable game. Yeah, that <laughs> was bad. Horrible. Also, yeah. speaking of defense, Edron Cooper getting left off the Butkus Award finalist is that's, a travesty. That's a joke. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's been one of, if not, if Jalen Ford didn't exist, we'd be talking about him the best linebacker in this day by far. He's like, going for far. SEC Defense Player of the Year, also leading the nation among linebackers with 16 tackles for loss. It's a joke. He d- there's In the SEC, at Texas A&M, what does he need to do? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's a joke. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's probably the biggest uh, uh, snub so far because a lot of the short lists are coming, or the watch list, semifinalists. I can't semi-finalist. wait to debate the list. Oh, oh that's going to be so great. I'm, just- <laughs> I'm so mad about this one, too. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be bad, but yeah. Uh, by the way, do you know who... The current OC, I guess, acting OC for A&M, or for Arkansas is right now, because you mentioned Danny Nuss. Mm-mm. Remember Kenny Guyton? Ooh, former yeah. Ohio State quarterback, yeah. Kenny Guyton. I think he, was he all, was he with, uh... He was with Texas for a little bit. Yes, he was with Texas for a little bit. Um, analyst role, I think something. He, I think he sat behind, I think he was the guy, odd man, le- or after the Cardale years, after that national title year, I think. Yeah, he played like one game. Or maybe maybe, maybe, it was by, maybe it was before. I think it was before. It was, it was before. I don't think it, I think it was, was after. I feel like he was in that JT Barrett era sometimes. JT Barrett, maybe. Braxton maybe like Miller, JT Jones. Maybe. The first of JT Barrett's eight years. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Braxton Miller's somewhere in there. But yeah, so he's the he's the play caller right now for Arkansas. Huh, so Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's one of those remember these guys type of games. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last game of the week. Rice playing at UTSA Ooh. this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPNU. UTSA coming in as 14.5 point favorites. The over-under is 58.5. Yeah, speaking of lines that I was, jumped. <laughs> I was excited for this game. Yeah. This so, went from uh, minus JT ni- Daniels. This went from minus 9 in favor of UTSA to minus 16.5. Yeah, so Mike yeah. Bloomgren said that JT Daniels is doubtful uh, for the game. Oh, which is very unfortunate because if he's doubtful, then that kind of puts their season really on ice because as we've talked about, this offense, this team has really been JT Daniels or bust. Um, Now, let me me put – Chase Jenkins played pretty well last week, Mm -hmm. right? For as as the situation gave him, he was about as good as you could expect – he ain't beating UTSA. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, JT Daniels was in for a solid half yeah. and put him in a good position. Yeah, exactly. And so, what did he finish with? Again, true freshman quarterback. Uh, he finished with 83 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing crazy, uh, but they're also playing SMU, so like kind of understandable. Um, 75 yards passing, excuse me. <sighs> UTSA is clicking on all cylinders right now. They look like, mm-hmm. along with SMU and Tulane, the favorites in the conference. Yeah, unfortunately. This They're on a high be. coming off of a really nice rivalry win last yeah, week Yeah, they were the also road, feeling themselves because so. Jeff Trailer did the thing he has not been able to do, which is win in Denton. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's bad. bad we news talked about it in the Slack a little bit, but I almost thought this game could be a bit of an indictment on Bloomgren because it's like this offense and team has been so reliant on JT Daniels. Sure. And now a bunch of coaches in Texas do say Rice as a roster is way better since Bloomgren took over. They signed the best recruiting class since uh, in a long time, maybe of ever. Maybe. But they I, are a little reliant on I was about, I was about to say, that I don't think the talent – I think the talent is better than it's been. I think also that maybe the question comes in terms of maximizing that talent. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where maybe this game could be a little bit of an indictment. Because I think, yeah, I think you're right. He's been able to attract talent. We like a lot of people on that staff. We think they're a really talented staff and a very knowledgeable staff. Um, but it, it there's a difference between player acquisition and player development. Yep. And so this could be – like you mentioned, this could be JT Daniels could have been masking a lot more in this game uh, or uh, this season than maybe uh, he's, he could be masking more uh, that that'll be unveiled this mm-hmm. this weekend. We're gonna find out. We're definitely yeah. gonna find out because this is a UTSA team that's clicking on both sides of the ball kind of a little bit. Now the one thing that scares me about UTSA, Decor and Clark is now out for the year officially. Yeah. They have gone from having three dynamic wide receivers in JT Clark. Uh, Zakari Franklin and Joshua yeah. Cephas. Now that is down to Joshua Cephas yeah. this year. I will say so they've had like that could hurt them in the long run. Maybe. Um, I do wonder about their top end as far as that's concerned, but they've had a lot of guys kind of, it, it's been Josh Cephas, obviously, but they have had guys. Taiki Ogle Kellogg has been really, really good for them. Devin um, McQuinn. Devin McQuinn. Yes. They've been very, 